0: Yeah, much less economics. Um, well, I'm as surprised as they are. I guess is the best way of saying it. Um, how I got into this was um, boredom, born of COVID. Uh, COVID hit here in New York, where I live. Uh, I live in Brooklyn. Um, hit here, uh, you know, in America anyway, um, first, um, and. The entertainment industry was put on ice. There really wasn't a lot of work to be had for an actor, um, obviously. Um, and so I had a lot of time on my hands. And I, I have a degree in economics. I hadn't used it much in 20 years, but I started paying attention to the the markets and everything was kind of going berserk. Um, this is 2021 now. And you know, it was the era of meme stocks and cryptocurrencies and NFTs. And none of it really made sense until I did my homework and and realized that, you know, we were in effectively a bubble and that um, the forces that have been, basically been at play since the subprime crisis in 2008 or the reaction to the subprime crisis um, were sort of Manifesting in, in 2023 um, in the most sort of absurd way possible with people, you know, buying links to receipts for JPEGs stored on blockchains, which mm. is what NFTs are, or buying these ephemeral digital assets, quote unquote assets, that um, really had no value. It was quite a trip, but um, I uh, reached out to a journalist and we began a two-year odyssey to uh, unpack what was really going on with crypto.
1: Huh. I understand a couple of things that that maybe you wouldn't expect behind a book like this played quite a significant part. One being uh, reading a book to your daughter
0: and another one being weed. Yes. Let's start with the most important, weed. Um, I uh, have always loved alcohol, uh, but there is a limit. And I think I was over it during the pandemic. In New York, uh, marijuana is legal. And so I got my uh, license. And it helped me with my anxiety and with my, well, worries about, you know, the world ending and whatnot. Mm. I'm sure we can all go back there. And then, yes, uh, to the lesser point, uh, Emperor's New Clothes. My, My daughter was six at the time, and I was struggling with whether to go public with my criticism of cryptocurrency because I held it privately. But, you know, it'd be quite a pivot for me to just come out of, well, basically nothing from from sort of the, uh, the COVID uh, uh, fog that we were all in and say, I've got a brand new venture, but it's not a movie or a TV show. It's that I think crypto is baloney. So I was struggling with those feelings and I read her The Emperor's New Clothes and two things stuck with me. The first is that um, the tricksters, the essential sort of genius of the tailors is that they appeal to status worship and ego. Uh, on behalf of the adults and so adult after adult is tricked into believing that these clothes that they weave are real because they don't want to look stupid and the second thing that i had forgotten was that um at the end of the day it's a child that calls out the lie Uh, the only person brave enough to speak truth is someone that doesn't know he's being brave he's simply telling the truth it was hard not to see myself as that child um which didn't absolve me of the responsibility of speaking out so i began speaking out
1: um, as for taking these things though and, and actually making it into a book, was it a case of getting high and thinking, oh, I know I've got a great idea. I'll write a book about this.
0: Yeah. 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 Which, you know, I think I've had many great book ideas or so I thought while I was high. Um, and perhaps some of your listeners can relate. Um, it's, it's only in the next morning when you wake up sober that you realize, um, yeah, sometimes those ideas weren't quite as good as they felt in the moment. Um, but this one just kept with me and so you know i did what was only natural and got high again and realized that a journalist had written an article even donald trump knows bitcoin is a scam which i thought was quite funny and brought together a few things that i was thinking about not just crypto but casino capitalism returning everything into casino and also the golden age of fraud and best personified perhaps by donald trump um and so, while high and realizing that this journalist had written an article that I liked, I realized that he lived in Brooklyn. I followed him on Twitter. He followed me back, and I invited him to drinks at a local Brooklyn bar and said, um, "You know, what if we wrote a book about events that haven't happened yet?" Um, and he agreed.
1: Um, that taking that step and saying, "You know, how about we? How about we meet? How about we?" write a book together. Um, I guess to some extent, it's a a slightly privileged position that you're in because of because of your acting work. I guess your name is a bit more known. But was that still a bit of a a weird step for you to
0: take? It was. I mean, Jacob found it quite funny, but I was nervous reaching out to him. Many journalists find this funny, you know, uh, this, t- <laughs> this, you know, somewhat famous TV star is going to reach out to you out of the blue and propose writing a book with you. And you know I, I, it's funny how blind we are to our own particular situation at times and and so i was actually quite nervous about meeting with jacob worried that i was going to come across as this dilettante actor you know who developed this strange pandemic hobby of of investigating cryptocurrency of all godforsaken things um but the truth is that jacob helped me understand that at the end of the day, actually one of my superpowers, perhaps my only superpower really was that I was on television and therefore people would talk to me. And sure enough, they did. Uh, Sam Bankman freed himself now indicted for fraud by the Southern Mm -hmm. district of New York um, was willing to talk to me. I think in part, I mean, he talks to a lot of people, but perhaps too much, but I think in part, because I was on TV, um, it's quite a, quite a weird world that we live in.
1: Tell me about, um, how you first got interested, I suppose, in cryptocurrency. You know, like you say, you've got a background in economics. Um, But when it was sort of beginning to be on the rise, was it something you considered investing in? Was it something that you thought was um, worth taking a closer look at from that perspective?
0: No, not initially. Um, I remember years ago uh, on set, actually, of a TV show I was shooting Gotham, a couple of guys that I worked with who were on the crew were debating the merits of crypto. I didn't know anything about it but they turned to me after having a fairly full-throated debate and asked them for my opinion and I said I don't know guys but it sounds like a scam and you know 5 years later I found myself with covid boredom you know um going down the rabbit hole and I guess in some senses the fomo was real the, the fear of missing out um a friend of mine suggested that I buy crypto it was one of the ways I fell into it Um, Unfortunately, this friend of mine had given me terrible financial advice when I was in my 20s and had encouraged me to invest in this obscure uh, company and we promptly lost most of our money. So I had a sense that my buddy Dave, dear friend, um, was well-intentioned, but perhaps just wrong. And honestly, as soon as I started looking at cryptocurrency, red flags started um, appearing. And the first was actually the word currency. Words have meaning. I'm a storyteller. Words are our tools. And words can be used to educate or entertain, um, but they can also be used to deceive. And economically speaking, these are not currencies. I, I, I cannot stress that enough. In economics, currencies do things. They're a medium of exchange. You use them to buy and sell things. They're a unit of account. You can use them to run your books with them. And they're a store of value, meaning their value stays relatively consistent over time. Cryptocurrencies couldn't do any of the three things. And they weren't being used as money. They were being used as a form of investment. People were putting real money into them, hoping to make real money off of them through no work of their own. Um, Under American law, that's an investment contract. More precisely, it's a security. And securities have been regulated since the 1930s. But it seemed as though these cryptocurrencies were out there in a more or less unregulated state, being sold through overseas exchanges, themselves unregulated. As soon as I started looking into it, well, it looked as though um, we were headed toward the iceberg. I was on the Titanic and we were headed toward the iceberg and I was searching desperately for the captain only to realize there was no captain and I guess I was the best we could do.
1: Mm. What do you think the appeal is about cryptocurrency? Is it that kind of get-rich quick scheme um, that people feel that they, you know, they might be able to make a quick few bucks. And like you say, it might end up being a good investment.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's basically just the line between sort of investing and gambling. Um, But unfortunately, and I I think people are sort of now realizing it, you're not even really gambling in a fair casino. You're not gambling in a regulated casino, obviously. You're gambling in, you know, well, FTX headquartered in the Bahamas that was uh, allegedly stealing your money Uh, or any of these other exchanges, most of of which are are domiciled uh, in the Caribbean, you are at best uh, uh, speculating and gambling. And at worst, the people are defrauding you. Now, I understand why people want to make money. I get it. Um, And the get-rich-quick scheme is as old as money itself. But it doesn't mean that it's a true story. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have significant social harm and the case of crypto, I think, besides the, the, the regular folks who have lost a lot of money, unfortunately, some of whom, some of whom uh, their lives have been ruined by this. Um, in addition to that, uh, crypto's other use case besides gambling is crime. And the money that is, uh, uh, provides the liquidity in crypto can be used for, amongst other things, ransomware, uh, terrorist financing, um money laundering uh sanctions evasion tax evasion and the like so some of the worst people in the world i would argue were benefiting from this system so it felt to me like something that i really needed to speak out about the more i learned the more um unsettling it became and i needed to speak from a place of understanding money from economics but really understanding lying as an actor i lie for a living and it we needed to speak i someone needed to speak truth to power here and really you know get the public's attention so i found myself in that unlikely role mm.
1: i suppose the economic conditions were they ones post global financial crisis particularly that that kind of led to crypto being able to flourish giving it that sort of opportunity and and pushing on an open door
0: yes that's a good way of putting it, pushing on an open door. In response to the subprime pound crisis, um, I'm sure many of your listeners will remember, of course, that the powers that be freaked out um, here in America. Interest rates were dropped to near zero. And in addition to that, there was what's called quantitative easing, quantitative easing where uh, whereby the federal government effectively provides a backstop for all sorts of asset classes, putting a floor underneath the prices of all sorts of things, which in and of itself is not a bad thing, right? I mean you need an elastic money supply in times of crisis in order to sort of keep the economy from um, spiraling downwards. Uh, Otherwise, you do get the Great Depression. Um, At the time, um, the United States was was on the gold standard. It's pretty ironic, but now crypto advocates will sort of say crypto is digital gold. Well, the reason we left the gold standard was that it didn't work. Um, But the problem is that if you continue with these easy money policies sort of forever and you never rein them in, then this fragile trust that is money can break down, and in addition to that um given the sort of fragilities particularly of of other currencies i'm I'm speaking not so much of of the dollar but of currencies that we've seen have been incredibly volatile over the last um a few years since the pandemic um the story of crypto can gain a lot of power because people see that their actual currencies in their countries are not working well and so they're lured into the promise that crypto can somehow save them but unfortunately crypto for the vast majority will turn out to be even worse Um, so it's a really sort of predatory financial story right it sort of it, it starts from a premise that most of us can agree upon which is that our current financial system is deeply flawed uh, those flaws were obvious. Some of those flaws were exposed during the subprime crisis. But then it pivots, crypto pivots to say that crypto can solve it. And that's really the con there. That's the trick.
1: There's a bit in the book, I suppose, of of kind of looking backwards to look forwards in some ways. Um, and also looking at naturally occurring Ponzi schemes, I guess. That sort of seems to describe what's going on with crypto.
0: Yes, Um The economist whose work has influenced me the most is Robert Schiller. He's won a Nobel prize. He's pretty well known, but I did not really understand his work on, on, on narratives, how economic narratives form, I think is really sort of important to understand. And he talks about these things called called naturally occurring Ponzi's. So the price of a speculative asset rises um, and Investors, uh, members of the public, see the price rise and they say, Oh, well, it's going up. And then I can just sell it to somebody else while it's going up. So I'm going to join in. So they buy it, which pushes the price higher, which draws in more people, which pushes the price higher. And these things can go on for quite a while. But economically speaking, The the price that's being quoted in this speculative asset isn't based on any fundamental value. It's not based on a revenue stream of a company or something like that. It's based on what's called greater fool theory, the ability for you to sell whatever you've just bought to someone who's a greater fool than yourself. It's all fun and games until you run out of fools and you realize that you're the fool that bought at the top which is unfortunately the position that the majority of crypto investors who have ever bought cryptocurrency find themselves in the majority of people who have ever bought crypto bought in 2021 and now they find themselves having lost money um, in addition to the millions of people who are locked out of their accounts at FTX and Voyager and Celsius and et cetera so it's a fascinating study and sort of the power of narrative and and the power of a story above all actual sort of factual reality
1: you mentioned uh that one of the people you talked to in the course of researching and writing the book was sam bankman freed um what was it like to meet him and interview him and what impression did he make what red flags did you see
0: well, um, I tried to outline in the book red flags for fraud, um, some of which are quite obvious. Um, do people have a criminal history or a sketchy past? Um, are they selling you unregistered and licensed financial products? Um, ding, 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 when it comes to crypto. Are they selling them through unregulated, unlicensed marketplaces? Ding, 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 when it comes to crypto. It, with Sam, uh, there were additional ones. He was working out of the Bahamas rather than the United States, even though he was selling his product for all intents and purposes to an American audience and advertising on things like the Super Bowl. Um and so he was working in a regulatory jurisdiction that uh <laughs> is not known for its uh, uh stringent uh securities regulation i was not aware that there is a bahamian securities regulator but apparently there is i only know that after sam was arrested um so there were a lot of red flags when it came to Sam. What was interesting is that when I interviewed him in July of last year, he was being pitched as the savior of crypto. He was being pitched as the JP Morgan of crypto. So the, the press attention was really going the other way. Um, he was a wonderkind. He was uh, one of Bloomberg's 100 wealthiest people in the world. Um, and yet when I interviewed him and sat with him for over an hour and asked him you know, some more pointed questions uh, based on my research, in my opinion, he was unable to answer any of them satisfactorily, and not only that, tried to direct my attention towards other people in cryptocurrency and the um, in the industry that he thought I should focus on instead, which I thought was a um, quite a tell uh, that he was trying to um, influence my reporting.
1: Uh, interesting that you use the word "quite a tell," um, because. I guess it, it begins to feel, and I think you draw the comparison with um, something like online poker here. It's a kind of unregulated online gamble.
0: Yes. And there are uh, many parallels between uh, cryptocurrency and online gambling, online poker specifically, which had its heyday in the 2000s. Most broadly speaking, the the, the similarity lies economically in their zero-sum nature. Um, because cryptocurrencies are not attached to anything in the material world that really provides value. Think of an investment in, um, you know, a company like Apple, for example. Well, Apple, think of them what you will, but they make phones and various products, they provide services. There's a revenue stream, so we can attach a value to that based off of the revenue stream. With crypto, there really isn't any of that. I
1: suppose one thing that strikes me as interesting is that there are often... um... Lots of well-known people, well-known actors, celebrities who, you know, who seem to be coming in behind things like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and saying, you know, this is this is a good thing. It's a way of, you know, making some more money and that kind of thing. It almost feels like you're you're a bit on your own here um, as someone who is a well-known actor who's actually kind of warning and, and sounding the alarm on this.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's not much incentive for people to talk about crypto, honestly. Either you're profiting from it by selling it. Um, I'm talking about people at the sort of hierarchy of crypto, which includes the exchange owners and the people behind the coins and the the celebrities that they pay to hawk those coins. There's really not much incentive for them to be critical of it, of course. Um, And economists are famously obsessed with incentive structures. So I sort of found myself as the odd man out, as the one who said, well, this is actually quite bad, and I'm going to do it for no other reason than I think I'm right, and I want to spare people if I can the unfortunate uh, situation of losing money. Um, And secondly, I actually think I know what I'm talking about when it comes to crypto. (laughs) (laughs) I'm uniquely positioned in the sense that I understand a bit about money, and I understand a bit about lying as an actor
1: what are you hoping people take from, from the book?
0: Oh, I tried to write it as a, as a, as a fun story. (laughs) I think a lot of people are sort of tuned out of crypto because they understandably think, Oh, well, it seems awfully complicated and also kind of scammy. Um, And I say, no, 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 that's you're right. It's not that complicated. It is kind of scammy, but look, here's a fun story. Um, Here's a fun way of telling it. So I, I would hope that um, people picking it up will just enjoy it for what it is, a kind of a a rip-roaring yarn, or that's the intention, of a particularly bizarre moment in the history of money when, um, when we were making up these things that we called money that actually weren't. Um, it's quite funny to look at it even just a year after the fact and sort of see <laughs> how how easily we can all be fooled. It's incredible.
1: Hey, look, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you very much for taking the time at the end of a day for you over there in the United States. I appreciate it.
0: Cheers. Bye.